1: Welcome back to the French Rookie Podcast with me, Tim Groves, and ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. It's our fourth season of the podcast. So we've done a whole World Cup cycle, Johnny, essentially building to this very day. It's finally here. You ready? No. (laughs) We're absolutely primed. We're in top peak physical condition,
0: right? Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can tell uh, by the sound of my voice, we're not. Uh, and mine. You're on the LEMSips. Um, I've been on a bag of different drugs now for about two and a half weeks.
1: Performance enhancing?
0: I wish, mate. That's the that's the least of worries at the minute. Just trying to get my my body to perform on, on a base level. Any sort of enhancement would be much appreciated. But I've been out of action for near enough three weeks. That's why we haven't done podcasts during the warm-ups. This should be our moment to shine. We're finally getting our shit together now. So... <laughs> Um, just before the opener. Oh, I'm going to have to go, mate. That's the electrician. Hold on. T6.
1: The electrician, Johnny. Is he kicking you out with a massive new podcast studio for the World Cup, yeah?
0: No, but I will be <laughs> in the podcast studio in Marseille every Monday um, oh, nice. throughout the course of the competition presenting something for World Rugby and the Rugby World Cup. And then I'll, of course, be using that as my backdrop for the proper podcast, the French rugby podcast. Um, But no, that is Fabian, the electrician. Bless him. Um, We're creating a little apartment underneath the house to welcome visitors like you and your family, Tim, or grandparents because they don't want to stay in the house with us. They want somewhere <laughs> separate that they can hide after spending the day with us. Um, so that was Fabian. Sorry for the interruption. We finally made it. It's World Cup time. France have named their team. You and I are in the worst state that we've ever been in. We saw Francis players dropping
1: like flies in the warm-up and we thought no chance of that. Sod podcasts during the Summer Nation series. We're keeping ourselves healthy for the big day.
0: But you haven't been healthy. You mentioned it. Illness. What was it? Kids' fault? Ranking is COVID. I, mm. I, I don't I don't want to say the word out loud but they had the Fed the buy on down the road so there's apparently there's a big cluster of it after that. Everybody's had it but weirdly everyone's been testing and testing negative but everyone has the same Symptoms. So, horrible chest, horrible head, constant cough. Yeah, I think everyone's got it at the minute. I don't know what it's like back in the UK, but in France and the Southwest, it seems to be rampant. Um, but that's it. So, this is me now at the end, two and a half weeks later. Hopefully, my voice has just come back. I can just about talk. I need to commentate the opener at the weekend France <laughs> against New Zealand. I've then got Australia, Georgia, and then I've got Scotland, South Africa in three days. So, I need to get myself together fairly quickly because there's going to be a bunch of travel, loads of games. Loads of catch-ups, loads of socialising, which we're all looking forward to. So need to sort myself out fairly sharpish.
1: We will come on to the games in a minute, but how was your summer?
0: It's good? Mate, it was good. It was really nice to have a complete break. We had a week in Biscarros, great little campsite. Tim, with your name on it for next summer. Then we had a week on Ile de Rey, which we'd never done before, but that was magic, just cycling. We actually went down and spent a day with uh, Rog and the La Rochelle boys. So Lockheed, nice. my eldest, who's seven um we were sitting in doing video sessions Lockie was jumping on scrum machines he was <laughs> i was trying to chat with roger at the side he was trying to tackle the players um so it was great to be asked down for Lockheed to meet all the players to catch up a few boys keen to come on the podcast this year as well the english boys i think listened to it on the way into training and seemed to enjoy it so uh that was cool and then we had 10 days after that back in scotland where we caught up with family and friends which was ace as well and then back to france luckily mate that's what eight week summer holiday the kids went back to school on Monday, and oh my days! Did we need the kids to go back to school <laughs> after eight weeks? Um, they needed it as well. But no, it was it was epic, mate. What about yours?
1: Well, Your sounds much more cultured than mine, Johnny. As was we did have a week in Portugal, but then an all inclusive, kids everywhere. Oh, a, a world
0: away from the eel there. I think. Do you know? Do you know what we need? Have you ever done red level? What's that? It sounds a bit racy, but it's just adults only. Um, okay. Um When my missus signed us up to red level previously, I was like, Jen, what have you signed us up for? Um And what am I not, what expectations yes. am I not meeting? <laughs> but it was just, kids aren't allowed, but mate, oh my days, the difference when you get holiday like that, when you get kid free. So I reckon next summer, I reckon we're going to try and send the kids on a plane back to Scotland by themselves for the first time and just shoot wow. off. They're of an age, <laughs> a week where you just get away, catch up on some sleep, cocktails by the pool at half 10 in the morning. Yeah,
1: red level, Conjures images of Amsterdam and all sorts, Johnny, but no, not that next year. (laughs) Right. Well, we are back and I don't want to start any rumors, but we've seen famous alleged incidents in the past where teams at world cups involving. Dodgy lasagnas, potential sabotage, nothing of that. We're not accusing anyone else. It's our own fault. We've got kids, they bring home shit, but we're back and we're ready
0: everyone listening has basically retained don't have kids from the opening two minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and every other episode we've ever done. But yeah, exactly. Anyway.
0: Dad problems. Dad problems and rugby. That's what we're here for.
1: Moving on from the kids, we will be back with guests, all sorts of inside info. We'll be the go-to place for everything to do with France during the World Cup. So tell your mates, subscribe, follow us on social media and keep listening if you want the lowdown on Le Blur. But for the moment, Johnny, you mentioned it. France have named their team, but in the mm-hmm. build-up, they've suffered some pretty heavy blows, the like of which they haven't seen under Fabian Gaultier before, really. 11 players played all the games in this year's Six Nations, last year's Six Nations as well, when they won the title in the Grand Slam. They've been as consistent as can come in recent years, something we haven't seen from previous French sides. On the eve of the World Cup is not really the time to be suffering this kind of upheaval, but it happens. You've got
0: to deal with it, haven't you? They do. Uh, and I guess for... Many other teams taking part in the competition, there'd be a real panic and the real worry if you look at the key positions as well. So Intermac out, uh, Jonathan Donte out, Cyril Bay not playing. Um, There've been some really big ones. Paul Valemsi, 10 ten centimeter tear in his quad a week before the comp, bless him. Um, and I think if you were other countries, you would panic. But as you mentioned, the consistent level of performance, how they've played, how they've come together, that married with the generation they've got, you know, an, an Intermac shifts out, a Jalibar, pops in. Jonathan Dante can't make the first game. That's been a decision they've made together. Your moefana who's been terrific in the games that he's played in the centre, steps up. So They've got depth, they've got strength, but more importantly, they've got a structure, they've got a confidence, they've got a style of playing and a way of playing that suits them down to the ground that they've been consistent with and they've executed time over time. You know, 23 from 24 wins at home in um, the past two years. They've been exceptional. So, it's not been the ideal prop. There's been a couple of shakes at the end, but The players that have come in, the players that have been asked to do a job will step up and they'll be looking forward to it now. Like all the build up, all the chat from everyone, like at the school gates, down the butcher, like everyone has been talking about getting tickets for this game. The biggest, the most watched game that rugby will have ever seen is going to happen here on Friday night and it's going to be France taking part. That is why everyone has bought in so hard and they're so excited to see this French team, even with a couple of injuries, step up and see if they can knock off the the All Blacks in the opening game. So a huge game coming up. And yeah, a couple of little late twists, but it doesn't seem to dent the way they're thinking, the way they're talking, the way their prep's gone. Um, They've just gone about the business quietly. And I think now they're just waiting on this game to kick off. And of the four big injuries you mentioned, who's the biggest blow, do you think?
1: Um, I mean, everyone assumes it's Roman Enzimak, the big name, but actually you mentioned... Matthew Jalibert coming in. I mean, it's probably only the All Blacks themselves who uh, have got a replacement 10. That caliber of that yeah, caliber.
0: I'm, I'm not sure they do, and it could be argued as well that Matthew Jalibert is more exciting to watch on the ball I an mean, attacking threat, the speed he brings onto the ball. He's maybe not quite as rounded. His defensive game isn't as solid as Intermac. That's the sort of weakness that you would level at him. But I mean, what a player to bring in. Um so yes, Intermac's a massive law. He's also the playing partner for Dupont at Toulouse. Uh, They've got a bunch of caps together. they built that partnership. They've been superb to watch, but I don't know. I think if you were talking about Scotland and it was Finn Russell, you'd be like, okay, the drop down to second is a big step. Or you go to most of the tier one countries, the drop down is quite significant, but with France, the ability now to just shift in another, like moafana has been outrageous as well. Um, In the centre, you look at Loosehead, you've got JB Gro. It's actually Red Awardee that's going to get the start. He's been very solid as well. Top 14 in the games he's played for France. So I don't know. It's weirdly for everyone to still be very quietly confident going in. That's the sort of message you get around French media. Everyone you bumped into the side of France, all the French journalists, all the former players, are still extremely confident about knocking over the All Blacks, given what they did to them two years ago in the Autumn Nations series when they demolished them at Paris. I think it was 40 points to 25 or something. Um, And they absolutely crushed them. That coupled with the result we all saw, Twickenham last week, the record win for the Springboks over them. Yeah, the French rugby public, both punters watching it and fans of the game and French media, they still see France as strong favourites to topple the All Blacks in spite of those injuries. And you mentioned the club relationship between Antoine Dupont
1: and Roman Intermac. If you shift that out one, obviously Jonathan Dante's injury, apparently he was close to being back for the opening game, but Moafana is in and he obviously has a club relationship with Matti Jaliba.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting as well. So Fabian Galti actually came out this morning and he said that Jonathan Dante was touch and go, like they were really close to pulling pulling a trigger and actually ask him to start, but they made a decision together to hold him back and that there are the pool games to go through. There's the knockouts and they're you know, they're wanting to go the whole log and get the final. So there was no point risking him and having a massive tear in the opening game. and, and rightly, as you say, Moefana having that combination with Jalibert, they played 12 or Yoram also plays on the wing or at thirteen. So hugely competent, really exciting player. But Somebody he knows really well, has trust in, has faith in, has good communication with, they're used to playing together. So nice combination to be able to shift in and have as a 10-12 combo after losing somebody as um, as impressive, impressive as Jonathan Dante because he was absolutely monstrous against Australia, was nailed on to be starting in this game, but it's not a bad replacement to bring in last minute. You said it. Devastating news for friend of
1: the show, Paul Willemser, who uh, hadn't had any injury problems for uh, virtually his whole career was ruled out of the autumn when he was so looking forward to facing the Springboks, had a few more injury problems, was back for the tournament, or so we thought, ruled out on the eve of it. We've seen the team for the first game now, and there isn't a tight headlock. Romain Roman Talfa-Fenur obviously on the bench, but he's gone with Cameron Waki and Thibaut Flamand. Is that an area? I mean, I presume it would have been a tight call, but is that an area where we're going to see something a bit different from France? Well,
0: firstly, for Paul... Uh, utterly devastated in that he's had a little bit of issue, you know, with his hammies over the past 18 months, but full preseason behind him was feeling good, was feeling strong. We were down in Marseille filming together for Rugby Pass. We spent a day together like an awesome bloke as well, like somebody you just want the best for. So, yeah, devastating news for him. The fact as well that it was during a window, they sent everyone back for five days off and they gave them programs to do at home by themselves. I'm like, there's always a risk tired with that. When you're not in a controlled environment, when you're asking people to go home and train, when you're not warmed up by prep staff, there's no physios around, it's a risk. Um, and unfortunately for one, for him, for Paul, um, he's the one that's paid the price of 10 centimetre tear in his quad. Um, so first of all, gutted for him. Then the combo of what's going to happen. I don't know, you know, with politically everything that's happened around Chalereau in the past week, I don't know if that hadn't happened, if they would have gone with him and they would have started him as a possibility, but I think that everything has happened and the pressure from government, from former players, um, which has been a massive storm over here in France. I'm not sure how much of that has kicked off um, around the globe, but in France, it's been absolutely huge. I think that's probably had a big say in this decision as well. A, who's starting the game, who's on the bench. The fact that they've also gone for a 5-3 split, as opposed to they've gone for a 6-2 split in effectively every game that we've watched them play over the past two years. So, I think that's had an impact. And then you look at the game. Traditionally, Fabian goes into games with a big tight head lock. And that's not saying that Thibaut Flamand isn't a big bloke. He's absolutely massive, but it's just a slightly different style. He looks for a solidity, uh, somebody to back up his tight head prop. He looks for mass, strength, power. Thibaut is athletic as well as all those things. So um, slightly different profile, um, bigger presence, line time as well. Probably offers you more and being able to get around the field, his mobility is, is phenomenal. But we did see a little weakness against Australia, and that was at scrum time. Um, And once you remove a guy like Paul Volemse, does that affect your ability to lock down um, a scrum? So all these different things floating around, and it has been a bit of a mess politically over here in France.
1: Yeah, the Chalera controversy. Obviously, we won't get into the legalities and the specifics of the case. I mean, Emmanuel Macron's been overheard mentioning it. Alan Gilpin's reacted to it, World Rugby CEO, but he was capped in November. Uh, He's got six caps, played in the Six Nations, played in three of the four warm-up games. Why is this a story on the eve of the tournament? Is it just because it's the World Cup? It's blown up because uh, it's the biggest stage of all.
0: Yeah, Uh, and I think the Paul Valempsi's injury and then the sort of announcement of Chalereau taking that place in the squad and then people digging and doing their, you know, what's this guy about? And then finding what happened there's a racially motivated assault that he's got suspended sentence for that assault was on a mate of Thierry Dussatoire. It's not really been spoken about. And then on the eve of the competition, I think this is where it's been really disruptive for the French side as well. The fact that it's blown up massively and that's all they've talked about. Emmanuel Macron's come into camp In the end, he comes into camp and he ends up talking about Fabian Galti. All the cameras are picking up the conversation about this, you know, assault, which has been racially motivated, which isn't what you want on the eve of the competition. Um, and it is bizarre as well. I mean, obviously it's wrong and what he's done is completely wrong, but it wasn't mentioned by national press or politicians or former players in November when he got his first few caps. So it's been it's been weird that that's what they spent their time talking about. He spent his time being forced to speak in front of press and tears and and different things, which, I mean, it's just not the ideal prep. It's not the build up that you want. You want to be talking about the rugby, the purity of the event, um, the sporting challenge. This has been a bit of a sideshow. Um, which can't have been easy for Fabian, for the staff and for the players um to have to receive questions about it because they don't want to be talking about this. They want to be talking about the rugby, the game, the expectation, the pressure, but being part of the biggest rugby game that we've ever seen. Um, so yeah, it's been a really weird week and it has been, again, it's hard to gauge the scale of outside France, but in France, it's been an absolutely huge story.
1: Yeah. It has certainly been a big story over here as well. And we should say he admits the attack. But denies the racially aggravated motivation behind it. And people assume that this is a thing in England or other countries as well, perhaps, that things blow up because of the media. But clearly, as you say, people in rugby knew about this before. We knew about it in November. We knew about it in the Six Nations. It's coming out now because it's got a broader audience. It's the eve of a massive tournament. And as you say, when Emmanuel Macron is overheard talking about it, it's going to get more and more traction. I guess Roman Tau for being injured in the warm-ups as well, that hasn't helped because he would be the ideal candidate to come in there and start, but maybe they think he's better coming off the bench.
0: And the worry is with Tau is how many minutes could he get through at that level? So without having the minutes under his belt, what shape, what condition is he going to be in um, to start against the All Blacks? And the pace of a game, the speed of a game, will he be able to maintain that effort? They've clearly decided not and that's why you have Thibaut Flamand starting the game because he is an absolute machine physically. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves throughout the competition with Chalereau, with Funua, who picks up game time um, and why, or if he's selected in that squad and then because of what's happened, he's left to the side. We'll wait and see. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're
1: looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. We spoke about the injuries. We've now spoken about the Chalereau controversy. France are famous, Johnny, for World Cup implosion, infighting, maybe more so in football, but it's happened in rugby too. Any chance of that, or is everything stable now?
0: No, I I don't think that we'll see that at all. And that the reasons that had happened in the past was because of incompetence at the top. Um, I think they've clearly got a competent staff with an incredible game plan, they're very well instructed, they play a tremendous brand of rugby and the, the fights have all happened before because senior players have had to step in and say, look, this isn't the way we should be playing or oh, we're not being coached at all. Let's do this ourselves. I don't see that happening this this time at all. Fabian's a strong personality, uh, a rugby brain um, and clearly he's got them primed in a rugby sense to perform at the highest level. So. That's been in the past. Hopefully, it stays in the past. And that this year they can just focus on the rugby aspects of competing at the highest level. Let's chat specifically about the opening game against the All Blacks then and get into
1: some of the detail. Where's it going to be won and lost?
0: Gee, you, you don't have to look back too far. If you look back last weekend to that game at Twickenham, the Springboks against the All Black, like physicality and blitz defense, the All Blacks didn't have any answer for it. And it's the same game that was played that Autumn Nation series test in 2021, where France absolutely just blitzed them off the field with their defense. And weirdly now, the All Blacks for the first time in a long time look a little bit lost at points, or they can second guess. They don't look too fluid in attack. They don't look like they're knowing exactly where they should be going with the ball. And when you play into a blitz defense like that, that's when you become unpicked completely. Against Springboks, we just saw them running off 9 running into brick walls and getting absolutely smashed, turnover ball, a blitz defense on the front foot, they run away and score a try. And that is essentially what happened in that 2021 series. That's what France will be hoping for in a carbon copy. They'll stick to their guns in terms of their pragmatic approach. They won't play any rugby in their half. They'll kick everything to New Zealand. Any scraps of ball that are kept down there, they will hold on to They'll try and score points. But there's a few key elements that we have seen scrum for the first time. We saw France's scrum creak a little bit um again the all black scrum creaked a little bit against the spring box as well is that a sign that maybe the spring box are the side to beat i don't know but um certainly france's defense is going to be absolutely massive if they're going to win this game their kick their chase playing the game in the right areas and then what we have seen from france has been consistent is when they have ball or they have opportunities to set something up from first phase or set piece they strike they create chaos they generate space and they finish like look at damian Peno. Last weekend against Australia, look at Matu Jaliber, the ability to see, to execute and to get ball on front foot. So again, we sometimes overcomplicate rugby, but all of those things, the combination, if France can get those little details right, the way they did two years ago, the way the Springboks did against the All Blacks last weekend, they should win this opening game. That being said, everybody's written the All Blacks off after that pumping at Twickenham but there's nothing worse than playing against an all-black side that's just been pumped. And I'm really intrigued to see how they up their game, what they change about the way they want to play because they look lost. They look completely lost against the Springboks. It's not often you see that. So were they trying something out as Eddie Jones alluded, his wallaby side was trying against the French, they were trying a completely different game plan for that one game and it didn't work, but we'll never play that badly again. Is that going to be the same from the all blacks? Will we see a different beast. I don't know. Um, you don't know what you're going to get from the All Blacks at the minute. That's the weird thing and that we're used to seeing such greatness, such consistency, the highest winning percentage of any professional sports team. But now, weirdly, they have moments where they look ordinary and human like us. So I have no idea. Tim, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be commenting the game. I think it's going to be the best atmosphere we've probably experienced any of us
1: yeah, Eddie's done that five times, hasn't he, since he's been an Australia coach. At least uh, in the World Cup though. I was five. gonna say it's I was five. gonna say
0: he's done that with five countries, mate. No, 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 five times.
1: <laughs> Less of Eddie. Um, the scrum. Red Awardy is no mug at scrum time. We've discussed the second row for France. The absence of Cyril Bay in the front row, who we know how good he is and particularly Paul Willemser at scrum time, that sort of, I don't know whether it evens itself up, but France fr- would certainly shift. have, you know, they would certainly have fancied themselves at scrum time and
0: now maybe a little bit less lesser. Um, and again, there's a big nod to a guy nobody talks about, but Dorian Aldergeri on the bench mm. who nobody really talks about and wasn't really part of the plans this time 18 months ago, but it's just quietly chipped away and shown what, a solid value he adds to this team you've got Falatea who started who's been off the bench loads and he's jumped him but you've actually got within the squad you've got two scrum captains now um, that lead everything and they are Antonio and Aldeguerri. Um okay. so Aldegheri has come from nowhere really um, to being brought in only for injury cover to, and I think now they see his value almost like serial buy serial buy you only really notice when he's not there he's been so consistent and so good but once you remove him you're like ah okay, that's not quite as effective as what we had before. Um, and that's been the decision between John antoine who has come back from a serious operation as well and is taking his time to get right, and Red Awardee. But again, neither of those guys, because of the amount of caps they have, they're mostly bench caps. They're not you know, hugely certain how good they're going to be at the very top level, test match level. They haven't had that many minutes. So it's a big test on that loose head side of the scrum for France, if they can lock that down and um, that will take massive steps towards nudging themselves to, to winning that sector and winning that part of the game. Both sides love to play in broken field, counter-attack.
1: Their attacks are a joy to watch at times, but they use the kicking game heavily, more heavily than most to create those opportunities. So is that going to be the key? And if so, how big a game does Matthew Jalabert need to have in that respect?
0: Huge in that France kicked for more meters, I think, than any other team in the Six Nations. The All Blacks, typically nobody thinks they do, but they kick more than anybody else in the Rugby Championship. So you've got the two sides that play the least amount of rugby in their third. Um, When it comes down to that and you get into kick ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, ping ping pong, wiff ping pong, pom poms, (laughs) it comes down to the kick contest. So aside from, you know, you're just kicking 22-22, looking for 50-22s or looking for territory, Who's going to take the initiative? Is there going to be one poor kick where you come onto ball and you get a chance to attack? Or is there something where you can take the ball forward, contest in there, and win your side 40 meters, and then it's unstructured play? So those are the different bits that we'll look out for. Who's going to win those little 50-50 aerial battles? Again, it's an area that France potentially, it's another little, like if you're playing against France, you try and win that. That's another area you'd be like, right, we have to win that. If we're going to win the game, the ball's going on top of Villiers, the ball's going on top of Ramos. We can get in the air and we can contest. So that'll be one area, I think, avenue that the All Blacks will sort have of looked at and said, instead of getting this kick ping pong playing the long game, let's take the ball back, run at 50 metres, almost like, like Brees Doulan-esque. Let's take the ball back, kick the ball into the middle of the field, open everything wide open and see if we can win that contest. So that'll be absolutely huge as well this weekend. I think that's another area that the All Blacks will have targeted the French side.
1: And Jalabert, clearly a huge role to play, but Tom Ramos arguably does more of that than anyone else and Bode Barrett as well from fullback for, for the All Blacks
0: yeah Tom Aramos, Um another guy that you don't really think about the value and then you see place kicking uh, conversions penalties opposite number all of left about 15 points out there complete game changer so Tom Ramos is absolutely sound the difference is going to be Intermac has been invaluable in his kick quality um, Jalibar has had one test where a lot of it has been ball in hand attacking where he's absolutely superb. We saw one insane cross field kick for Gabin Villiers as well, and they went three on three after a a mall launch. But again, it's that type of crunch game. It's almost top 14-esque. And is this international rugby or is this a game we're going to grind out and try and really pressurize the All Blacks? Therefore, his kick quality, the way he pressurizes and squeezes the All Blacks back three is going to need to be seriously impressive. And on the flip side, you mentioned what New Zealand would potentially
1: target if they're looking at France. If you're Fabian Gaultier, I mean, it sounds like a ridiculous question. Who are you worried about in the All Blacks? I mean, you could go through and, and list a number of players, but they are hugely strong in most areas, France. So what's the main area that you're going to be concerned about? In
0: playing against the All Blacks, like so we know they have some of the best athletes on the planet, some of the best tackle breakers, some of the best offloaders, and that's not going away. So. France's defensive performance is going to have to be out the very top drawer. And that, if you look at the Springboks, that's what they did at Twickenham. That's what France did two years ago. It's that defense. So we've always known that the All Blacks have these broken field runners, people that can break a tackle, create something out of nothing. But if defensively you get on top and you force the game for them to play it off their back foot, so not allowing them cheap, go forward ball. If you get one blitz where you come up and you catch them behind the game line, you've kind of got them. You're then forcing them to kick. So they're going to force the All Blacks to play Interblitz defense. They're going to have a wall of blue jerseys. They're going to come up hard, fast, huge, repeated efforts time and time after again. But that's going to be the key. Sean Edwards, the work that we've seen him put his aside through. The
1: atmosphere, impossible to get away from that. Opening oh.
0: game of any World Cup
1: is huge. This one, oh, on a different level. Clearly, it could drive France on. But the pressure on those players is going to be insane. Obviously, another step up, again, from anything they've experienced before. They have been building towards this day. You can't fully prepare for that, can you?
0: I don't know, mate. Like It'd be different if it was massive home expectation and you're half decent as a side, but they've absolutely flown the past two years. They're confident in what they're doing. It's weird that they won't see the show, right? So you've got... Jean Dujardin, the famous frac- French actor, is going to be leading the opening ceremony. I think for everyone watching it from the outside, it's going to be epic.
1: Yeah, fill us in. You're on the inside, Mr. World Rugby, and as well with your ear to the ground in France. Apart from Jean Dujardin, what's in store? Uh, I'm actually
0: not sure how much I can give away. Uh, <laughs> Come on, trade secrets. Let's just say there's going to be a very prominent Kiwi actor, each okay. side, and maybe partaking in festivities. There'll be one of the world's most famous footballers is coming hmm. to watch from this. Sta- I can't like, imagine who that could be. I have no idea. But you've got <laughs> the who's like you, you can't forget, this is the third biggest sporting event yeah. that there is. That's how big this is. And it draws fans from all over the world. You saw with Scotland, you had Gerard Butler doing their videos. You had with France, you can have Jean Dujardin, who's really good mates with Fabian and and Anton Dupont. You've got, like I mentioned, you'll see on, on Friday night, but you've got one of the biggest, Kiwi I'm not sure, I think there only is one Kiwi actor, so I'm probably doing that <laughs> way, um, with, with some massive football, it's like there's going to be loads of names being part of it. But weirdly, that's for us, right? That's for the supporter. The French boys and the All Blacks, they don't see any of it. They're wrapped away, they're cocooned, they're on the team bus, they're getting there, they're going through their prep. For them, this is prep, it's another game. Yes, it's the biggest game, this is the biggest stage, high stakes but they've prepped for this together for four years. This is their four-year cycle coming together to execute and try and take on the All Blacks um, and win a home World Cup. So the external pressures, are they going to feel it? From everything I've seen, like every time you go to the Stade de France or the games that have been taken around France, we've just been to Nantes, we've just been to Marseille. It's been sensational in the, the wave of noise, the volume of sport. And that's something you experience if you come over and you play in the top 14. As an away player, if you go to an away ground in any club game, it's the exact same. It's intimidating, it's hostile, and it's hard. And that's what the All Blacks face, is that they have the intimidation. They're going to get screamed at, they're going to get booed at. Um, You have a huge, vibrant crowd that's going to go absolutely nuts for their team. So they're going to drive France on. Every action, every collision, they're going to cheer their side, and they're going to boo and scream and whistle the All Blacks every time they touch the ball. So everything tips in the favour of the French, and I'm really looking forward to being there, mate and we should say if for any reason it doesn't go France's way we saw
1: South Africa win the tournament in 2019 after losing to the All Blacks in the 8th exactly game. it can be done it's important to remember it's a marathon not a sprint so france can still win it
0: if they lose this one hey especially on this side of the draw
1: hmm.
0: like you you look at what they have what any side on that side of the draw has to get through you have to beat france south africa new zealand ireland you have to beat the top 6 teams in the world and clearly as well, whoever gets to the final, it's going to be a case of what state are they going to be in? How deep is the squad? How many players have you lost to then get to a final and take on your Argentina or your Australia or your England or your Fiji, whoever is going to be coming from that side of the draw. So um, no, the, the pool stages on, on the French side and then the quarters and semi are going to be absolutely brutal.
1: The opening night is going to be a hell of a spectacle. We know that the tournament in a whole is going to be massive. Six hundred thousand foreign visitors. I think two million spectators overall. Everything always runs smoothly in France, doesn't it, Johnny? No strikes, oh. <laughs> no disruption.
0: Mate, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. They come on, tell us. So they announced, or they've announced preemptives. So what they do is they put in. It's almost like they put in planning permission to strike, <laughs> and they they've put it put them in this week for every single weekend during the World Cup. Okay. Um. So get your gilets jaunes get your high-vis yellow vest and just join in. So, yeah, that's gone in, but they haven't actually announced when those strikes are going to be and if they've been confirmed. So right now everyone's got the shits and is properly scared, um, but I really hope that they don't come together and they just let it go because it's a time for France to shine, like a time where you've got 310,000 people signed up to play the game, you've got televised games that are getting 6.5 million people tuning in, um, you've got top fourteen the biggest attendances they've ever had. It's a time for France to show the best of France and show the love for sport and for rugby. It'd be a shame if the Gilets jaunes were to show up and, and wreck it all for everyone logistically. So fingers crossed, mate, it doesn't go ahead. We shouldn't laugh,
1: but the stereotype is there. Paris Olympics next year. We saw chaos at the Champions League final last year. Security has been boosted. Oh. Hopefully this is just a little bit of a storm in the teacup. We won't see big strikes and they will be as united as France, according to you, are on the field. I hope so. Let's get a few predictions, Johnny, before we go. Take us through each pool, winners and runners
0: up. Um, Pool A. The winners of Friday's game will win the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who are? France. I'm going France, are going to win that game, have enough in the tank. Italy and then, second. No. I'm going to go <laughs> France first. The AB second. Uh, oh, mate, Pool B, Absolutely your favorite, Absolute horror show. Um, oh, that's the biggest pause ever. Are you, are
1: you going to do it or not?
0: <laughs> we've been through this. Scotland have the best side that they've ever had, right? But they're playing against South Africa and Ireland who at the minute are both absolutely ridiculous. So, I'm going to go South Africa going through one, Ireland going through second. Okay. But I, but I would love Scotland to pick one of them off.
1: If they are going to pick one off, which one is more likely?
0: Do you know what? I don't know. So Sunday night, they've got to play against a South African side. That's just bitched New Zealand in 29 degree heat in Marseille. And I'm like, I see that as less likely than getting through the comp. And maybe Coming across an Ireland, have picked up, you know, maybe they've lost Johnny Sexton or I don't know. But the minute Springboks are absolutely flying. So possibly more likely, just because of the brute physicality of South Africa, I'm not sure if we have that in us. Okay, pull C. Pull, oh, mate, this one. Take I I, Anyway, I've got absolutely no idea. I would love to see Fiji go through.
1: That is a huge injury on the eve of the tournament, isn't it? I was gonna say yeah. Roman Antimat, we've discussed, you know, and Farrell missing games because Losing of the ban tank. Caleb Munts, like I mean, he's looked so good and and that's what Fiji need a bit of direction.
0: So that's huge, yeah. isn't it? Um that is huge. I would I would still love to see Fiji Fiji have got enough in their tank that they could shove somebody at ten and hmm. it could still click. Um <laughs> I, it's think over. Fiji, I think I okay, think route one, <laughs> I, I think Fiji will beat Wales. I think Fiji potentially also could be Australia. I'm going to go Fiji and Australia to go through Fiji to win the group. Man, Australia are abysmal at the minute, um, and Wales aren't much better. Yeah, I'm going Fiji to win the group because That's I would it. love to see. I would love to see a Pacific Island side go through. They've had three months prep together. They've had, even though they've lost a ten, they've had some quality time to prepare. They showed physically against France that they were absolutely right up for just running off nine and battering France creating opportunities they then smashed England at Twickenham what a game that was so I'm going to go Fiji to go through and top that group speaking of England Paul D well I haven't given you my second choice here in that group yet
1: oh sorry I thought you said Australia
0: Uh, yeah we'll go Australia yeah we'll (laughs) go Australia yeah Australia won Fiji too England Japan Argentina I'm going Argentina to win that group at Cantor and really Yeah, England are (laughs) dreadful at the minute. Um, I'm going to go England as second spot. All right. But I could see them also easily losing to Samoa or Japan. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're going to pull their finger out the backside and get it together. But I haven't enjoyed watching England over the past six months. Nobody has.
1: Let's skip a couple of stages. Who is in the final and who's winning it?
0: Uh, I think Argentina will make the final from the other side of the draw. Hmm. Very good side, competing the Rugby Championship, beating the All Blacks in New Zealand. Why not? Uh, I think on the other side, it's going to come down to either France or South Africa. But given this is the French Rugby Podcast... you got to do it. Yeah, I I think so. I think they've got enough in the locker. I think they've got players coming back as well. Jonathan Dante will come back in. Cyril Bay will come back in for the final phase, which actually could be really important. And yeah, I think if they come across... Ireland in the quarters, which will also be a huge match. The fact that it's played here, they obviously lost the Six Nations away in Dublin, but here with home support, I can't see them losing that in Paris. So I am going to go for France to make their way to the
1: final. Three finals, never won it before. They'll never have a better chance. It's their time. It's
0: their time, mate. Top try scorer. Again, we talk about the length of staying in the competition and people trying to beat eight, which is the record. So you look at the teams I've tipped to stay in. So you're looking at a Frenchman or an Argentinian. And the bloke that's been the most prolific for France would be Damien Peno. So yeah. Damien Peno, a athletic ability, he's so physical as well as being rapid, coupled with the fact that he has got the best try celebration that we will see on the big screens. I'm not sure if you've seen his try celebration that he's filmed behind the scenes. Um, so you watch out for that one. Um, and I look forward to that. Been shown seven, eight, nine times as he tries to break the uh, try scoring record. So I'm going to go top try scorer, Damian Benoit, and the player of the tournament, presumably, if France are going to win it,
1: will be their little scrum half who ain't bad. <laughs> 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 not, not a difficult call that one. If you think France are going to win it,
0: yeah, I think it has to go to Antoine Dupont. We'll see, mate. Fingers crossed. In any case, it's going to be mega. Like everything kicking off, the whole place is going to be bananas. Every single one of those nine host towns is going to be mental over the course of the next two weeks, two months. I'm just looking forward to following it with everyone else, following the games around. I think I'll be in seven of the different host cities across the tournament. and um, just can't wait to take it all in, to experience it, share it with everyone and have a good time.
1: Let's just have a very quick look at some of the big games of the opening weekend because we've discussed some of the teams there and some of them are particularly out of form. England-Argentina. You mentioned you see Argentina winning the pool and yep. at a canter. So you see them winning this game fairly comfortably?
0: Quite comfortably. Yep. Um, England, again, we talked about New Zealand a little bit disarray, ball in hand. England do not know what they're doing with the ball. Um, they look more comfortable getting rid of the ball. It infuriates me watching them get to opposition third and then running out of ideas and choosing grubber kicks or turning... Defenses try and force them to play out their five-meter line, or try and squeeze a line out. I'm like, mate, it's just mindless. So they're going to have to change something big, quickly, structurally, in how they play. And I don't see that happening after losing to Fiji. I don't see them going into the first game and, and beating Argentina, who are very settled, athletic, aggressive, capable, um, and a top-class side. So England, unfortunately, I don't see winning that game. And Wales, Fiji, even with.
1: The loss of Caleb Munts, you think they have enough structure as well as their athletic ability, and and we know how how they can chuck the ball around and score tries to be a Wales side that again has really struggled since
0: Gats has come back to find their way. Wales to me now look like a side right at the start of a cycle going into a World Cup, which is not an easy place to be. Um, youth and experience, Fiji. In years past, you'd sort of criticise, you know, scrum stability, they get shoved off the wrong ball, line out. It was those structural pieces that weren't there. Those are there now, even losing their 10. If they can retain 80% of their possession and challenge Wales, purely with athletic ability, they will destroy a gain line, offload, get in behind them and cause havoc. So um, I am very much looking forward to watching that game as well. And I expect Fiji to beat Wales. And then the
1: big one, obviously... South Africa-Scotland. I mean, you've said honestly that you obviously see South Africa winning it. Yeah. How close do you think it's going to be? And what, I mean, I I guess it's a fairly obvious comment about what Scotland need to do if they are to win that game, knowing what you have to do and doing it, two different things.
0: Scotland have to have the perfect game. They have to have their perfect game that like everyone struggles when it comes to physicality with South Africans. Scrum time, mall time, line-out time. Can you compete with them up front? When you've got ball, can you hold on to it? You're running into a blitz defense. Uh, again, it's like playing against France. You're running into a big green wall of machines that compete really well on the, on the ground. So like if you look back, I'm trying sure to remember the last time Scotland beat South Africa. The closest I ever came was 2013 in Nelspruit, and it was Sia Khaleesi's first game. And that was when they were sort of at the start of a cycle as well. New coach coming in, a little bit lost, and we were close onto the African soil. But I can't remember Scotland getting close. They're one of the biggest rugby playing countries on the planet. They have a bunch of talented players and they're extremely well coached. So look, if Scotland are to win that game, they have to execute, have the perfect game. All those little areas, scrum, line out, mall, gain line, and then keep some sort of ball to allow Finn Russell to wave a magic wand and create something with Sione Tupolotu and Hugh Jones Um, which isn't beyond the realms of you know it's the first game why not a hit out but I think if you're wider rugby public you're watching that game that's a South Africa win but internally it's the best Scotland they've ever been but they're up against Ireland and South Africa in the first game and it'll be a a tough ask in Marseille to beat the Springboks Right all about the World Cup at the moment
1: but Three rounds of the top 14 have already been played, Johnny. The start of just about the longest season ever. We said that every season in the top 14, but it really is this time around. Let's briefly touch on that because I've no idea where you're going to go with it. But let's have your meter moment of the week, Johnny. No, I'll die <laughs> uh... I suppose you could go back. It's the first one. So three rounds. You can go back a bit. You can do an overall over the course of three rounds or just from this weekend.
0: So, mate, I'm going to go for a bit of a different one, but it's Baptiste Saran, which is weird and strange because he was released by Fabien Galtier. Dan Biggers came out this week and said that Baptiste Saran for him, as his new teammate. is clearly the second-best scrum half in France, but he hasn't been picked. But what I really loved was the week of being told that he wasn't involved, his reaction. So he asked to go back to Toulon. He wanted to play. He came off the bench, and he won them the game. And you'd be quite right in your boots to be stroppy, to not want to play, to be emotional. Um, but the fact that he went back a couple of amazing offloads off the bench, but actually he won himself. He won the game for Toulon against Bayern, which is a stuffy affair, by chasing a kick. Weirdly, somebody kicked for post, came off poles, bounces back. He out jumps Baptiste Heggy, who's six foot six, a flanker that I used to play with at Bayon catches the ball, dotters down, scores a try. And that's what wins the game against Bayonne at Mayo. So I think for his reaction, for the strength of character, for going back to his club and getting it done, the metre moment of the past three weeks is Baptiste Serran and his performance going back to his club after being dropped by the French side. And that's an interesting one because Baptiste Serrat
1: is a guy who, behind the scenes, spent a couple of years in the wilderness under Fabien Gaultier because, obviously, he's not getting passed on to And there was a question mark over his attitude and his desire to sort of be a backup. And then Maxime Luku's come in and and is now the backup. So he he has, I suppose, been accused of sulking in the past. None of that this time.
0: No, no. And it's weird though. The queue's absolutely massive. So you've got Maxime Luku, you've got Kuyu as well from Leon, who's jumped him in the pecking order. Um, and you've even got Nolan Lagarek, who's coming back to fitness yeah. after missing um, time with a big injury. So, it's a weird one because he's so good with ball in hand. He's so silky. He's so quick. Uh, he's so enjoyable to watch. The criticism has been that mental aspect and also a little bit of the kicking game and control, but just good to see him getting back to club, getting it done. And then if that little X factor is required in the knockout stages of the competition, as we've seen, you look at like Beaver, you look at Stephen Donald and what happened yeah. to him in 2011, um, crazier things have happened. Um, so it might still happen for Baptiste Ram, but, but cool to see.
1: There we go. That was Johnny's Meter Moment of the Week, or Meter Moment of the First Three Rounds of the Top 14. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at Meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item. All you have to do is enter the code FrenchPod10 at checkout. That's FrenchPod10. And you'll get 10% off any full price item at meter.com. One more thing from the top 14 this past weekend, Johnny, a man, you know, very well, well, two men, you know, very well, actually from your holiday as well. Benjamin Erda Pagetta and Ronan O'Gara. I mean, people, a lot of people, most people probably listening to this will have seen the clip. If you haven't go check it out on whatever social media channel you want. What on earth was going on?
0: I don't know. Um, oh, I've got no idea. And that Benji, who's a mate as well, has got absolutely no right to go into a technical area and start pushing coaches. So he's actually just been given a a nice letter from the, the disciplinary panel and the LNR. So he'll be going for a a sit down and a chat with them. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed Roger's reaction. And he's no angel, and he knows he's no angel. No. But his his debrief afterwards was, well, you know, I sort of understand. He didn't have the class to come and say, sorry, but sometimes that happens when you don't get picked to go to the World Cup, (laughs) straight back (laughs) on the windup, um, which I quite enjoyed. But no, Benji, complete and utter meltdown. Like going into the opposition technically or shoving Raj twice, like starting a big melee, like you can't be doing that.
1: And there's no history there. There's no beef. Nothing was said before. And because essentially from the video, for anyone who hasn't seen it, go and look at it, but describing it, to all intents and purposes, it looks like the ball just comes out of the sky, lands on Roger's head, and then um, Benji shoves him. Yeah, Roger and Dafto,
0: you'll like he positioned himself. He, that, yeah. he knows exactly where he is. <laughs> but like you've got two ultra compet, like two blokes that are played against and, and played with, two ultra competitive tens that want the best for their side, that will do anything to get the leg. like Benji wants to get the ball back and play, to start the game quickly. Rojas knows if he stands there, that doesn't happen. And the clock winds down and takes in their favour. So like hilarious to watch unfold, but that's going to be a ban. And we saw last year, like for touching any sort of official opposition coach now, you're looking at a serious ban. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. It was Picaroni's, remember last season, yeah. touching an official and he got a chunky ban. Um, and this isn't too different in anything. It might even be worse. So it'll be interesting to see how many weeks Benji picks up and sits on the naughty step. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to all you guys for listening. It's great to
1: be back. The World Cup is here. It's going to be massive. We promise, don't we, Johnny,
0: we'll be back bigger, healthier next week. (laughs) We promise that we will sound better next week. Guaranteed. Either that or you'll have to pick me out of a ditch somewhere after having too much after (laughs) Scotland against South Africa. But uh, we will be better and on better form next week. You have a busy schedule. Get some rest. We will be here to
1: fill you in on everything. France-related and a bit more besides during the tournament. So I tell you mates, make sure you hit subscribe leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube and we'll be back with another episode after the epic france Blacks
0: clash next week.
1: Au revoir, Johnny. Enjoy the first weekend.
0: I will, mate. You enjoy it too. Hope everybody enjoys it. An epic weekend coming up. Bye! <gasps>